welcome to another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on the people, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. Hi, my name is Mac, and I'm one of your hosts, and my fellow theater-goer today is Ross. Mac, great to be back as always. Uh, I'm just going to say this right now. Spoilers! Spoilers everywhere. Well, far as the eye can see, from here to the plains of Kifbeer, spoilers galore. So if you have not seen The Rise of Skywalker, please do not listen unless you like to be spoiled, or I assume already have been because of, you know, the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. Please do not listen to this show, episode 24, that is the first episode where we are going to pull three topics from The Rise of Skywalker, three new concepts we've gotten from this galaxy from this latest film. It's been a month since Rise of Skywalker uh, has come out, and so it's time to just start exploring some of that. Now, admittedly, we're not trying to go into plot details, just it's open. We're going to be talking about everything, including stuff that happens towards the end, so just understand, this is meant to be listened to when you've already done it. Now, I mentioned earlier that you're my fellow theatergoer. Russ, how many times have you seen it now? Only three so far. As you know, the day the film came out, Yes. after I had done two viewings, I got a legitimate like stomach bug, like vomiting yeah, you for got two days real sick like like, like just a... the traditional winter getting sick the day star wars came out and you soldiered through two showings but the third one i i was literally couldn't have made it to the theater without getting sick let alone sat through it right gotcha so then i've seen it three i, I did go back and i've seen a 3d showing now in imax oh okay um is what i saw for my third time um because I was trying to get an IMAX poster, and the only showing I could go to was 3D, and then they didn't have the poster. So that was kind of disappointing. Oh, that stinks. Um, but it was fun. I got to check out a different theater that I don't go to as often anymore as I used to. Uh, but I've seen it three times. I can tell you that every time I've seen the film, I've liked it more. And I think that's the same way for me. Like, after seeing it the second time, I felt the pacing wasn't a problem because I got to see it a second time. And I think the third time, I felt I picked up all kinds of new stuff Uh, because I'm on three as well. I basically saw it uh, the night of, the day after, and then, uh, I don't know, a week or two later. Somewhere around the Christmas break, I I went and saw it again. We are, I think, surprisingly behind where we would normally be, you know, this far in. It's kind of odd. Well, I think part of it is we're old. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to think of another reason, but that's the one I keep circling back to. Yeah. Well, we promised we're trying to, there's a theater that has D-Box. We definitely want to check that we're out if we can. Because yeah. uh, that's the kind of stuff that once it runs out of theaters, you'll never get to experience that again. Yeah. I don't think home D-Box is coming to a home theater near you anytime soon. My wife won't let me put Atmos in the ceiling, so I don't think she's going to let me get a D-Box chair. Mm-hmm. It's a little tiny bit more of an investment, just a, a smidge. little bit, a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's exciting, and we're excited about Rise of Skywalker yes. and the impact it's making on the yes. lore of Star Wars, which is why we decided a month ago that we were going to do something that talks about all the new concepts. So we're going to dive well, into th- three of them. Well, no, no, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, but we, yeah, we had a smorgasbord to pick before we narrowed it down we to did. these three. We so did. Yeah, there will be more Rise of Skywalker, but I. think think we're going to give it more breathing room yeah, from here. I think we picked three really good topics to start. And we're going to talk about first the force dyad, the yes. concept that is brought up um, that, you know, there are two people that are connected in the force in a very, very powerful way. Yes. And we're going to talk about that for a while. And then we also have um, Babu Freak. That's right. Babu Freak. Babu Freak. How could you forget Babu? 
We're very excited. I couldn't remember what order we said we were going to talk about stuff. Um, (laughs) So we're going to talk about Boba Freak, the droid smith. Uh, Oh, he's so great. One of the universally beloved things, I think, out of Rise of the Skywalker. I think we can all get on board the Babu Express. And then we're going to wrap up by talking about the the Doomsday Fleet. (laughs) The the, the Sith Eternal. The Sith Eternal. The Final Order. The true final enemy. The callback fleet. The throwback fleet. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. They got planet killing weapons. Oh, it's 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 a wild concept. And we're going to dig into some of like what yeah. makes that up, uh, what the heck their name is, um, yeah. why they're the final order, but also the Sith Eternal. It's going to be fun. And again, I hope you're excited because, again, this episode is going to probably be more than most of ours. A little into interpretation territory because we're going to be talking about what we think some of this stuff is. Because other than the visual dictionary right now, there's not a whole lot of extra materials to go over. You know what's and funny, Mac? To prepare that? for this episode, after we picked our topics, you know, yesterday, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I went through and I got out my visual dictionary because I always like when I can to go and look at the actual paper source, not just use the internet yeah, source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I realized now, after all the notes I took from the dictionary and my own personal thoughts that I wrote down, I didn't actually check Wikipedia for any of these. But that's okay, because that's my primary source on most things. Hopefully, together, we got all the information. I can't imagine what other material there would be. I mean, there's no cross-session book because it's built in. I mean, right. am I, did I forget any other canon materials I should have referenced? I don't think really for the topics we're covering anyway. Okay. Um, but I think the one thing I am going to say last but not least before we launch you into this adventure is uh, do understand this is going to be a lot of our interpretations. It's going to be a lot of our, our, our guesswork. And... The future yeah. is always in motion, so there's a lot of this that will change as we we're, go forward. We're very much talking about the facts that we have. Right. But those facts right now are very, very thin. And that's Because okay. there's not a lot. Yeah, it is. It's perfectly okay. So it does, to a certain extent, I think it's going to gravitate more towards some opinions, but really it's just more our interpretation. Yeah. And whether that's, you think of that as us making opinions or predictions, I really just see it more of... How we interpret it. I see this as what did you think? Yes. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. What do you think? We don't know, and we're trying to figure it out together today on hey. Star Wars All In. All right. And we're going to start that right after this. Dictionary defines dyad as a meotic a meotic chromosome after what? separation of the two homo 
logos homo logos what what members of a tetrad oh wait that must be wrong all right webster's dictionary defines dyad as an operator indicated by writing the symbols of two vectors without a dot or cross between wait that that can't be right right let's try all right webster's dictionary defines dyad as specifically sociology two individuals such as a husband and wife maintaining a sociologically significant relationship Okay, so that's probably if, that's probably the that might be one. the closest one to what we're talking about. All right, so if you haven't figured it out by now, and if you haven't seen the rise of Skywalker, we are talking about this new Force concept introduced to us in this latest film, the Force Dyad. Uh, now, this line, if you missed it, is only said twice in the film, once mm. by Kylo Ren to Rey, saying, "But what Palpatine doesn't know is that we are a dyad in the Force." Right, And then later, when Palpatine is attempting to, I guess, suck Seduce. the life from our two heroes, from our, from Ray and Ben, I mean... Well, after, uh, yeah, after Well, he's... basically, he says, oh, a dyad in the Force. This has not been seen for a millennia, I think. It's pretty much right. when he knocks them down, and he's, like, kind of disappointed in them and, like, ready to finish it, and he goes, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. You guys are a dyad? Oh, I can work with that. <laughs> and is a plan abruptly changed. Now, we will talk about that more in a little bit. That's but true. But for now, let's talk about this whole dyad thing. So, okay. Mac, we have a lot, I think, to say about this. Now, I do have some things from the Visual Dictionary of the Rise of Skywalker. Because oh, that's, that's the only other place in canon where I think we'll see any concrete information on this dyad right. thing. So before we get into any of the details, let's talk about how we perceived it from the film. Would you like to start? Sure. So um, I took dyad as I thought it was a play off the word triad, which is an art term, meaning like three colors that combine well together. Like, you know, um, and I took it very as like prismatically, like uh, Kylo Ren and Ray are basically the light side and the dark side in perfect two sides of the coin that they are right. they are they are two shades of the same color if you will mm-hmm. um and that's because that's because my art background mm-hmm. i also found out that dyad is not an art term it doesn't actually exist we call those just complementary colors ah okay well that i am familiar with complementary <laughs> colors more so than dyads yeah just ones that go together well <laughs> okay well when i saw the movie i took it very much as two halves of a whole i mean that was mm-hmm. the way i interpreted it now the reason I was thinking that is based, yes, on Kylo's dialogue in this film, but also some of the things we hear in the previous films of the sequel trilogy. So uh, I am going off the top of my head here, You're but fine. isn't Snoke, you know, Snoke says uh, darkness rises and the light to, to meet it. it. As you became more powerful in the Force, I expected your uh, rival would rise up. And this is in episode eight, by the way. Now he's saying this. Um, but basically, Luke Skywalker, I thought. But no, it's this girl, Rey. Mm-hmm. So Snoke here is explaining this thing as they are kind of complementary to each other. Basically, as he becomes more powerful, so does she. As she becomes more powerful, so does he. Basically, it's almost like if you want to take it, I mean, literally to me, it's because she beats him, right? He needs yeah. to push himself to be stronger, right? And because she knows he's out there, she needs to learn the ways of the Force to stop him. And they're essentially growing each other, growing themselves at the same time to be the person they think they want to be. 
And I think it also establishes in Rise of Skywalker that they're trying to essentially work backwards yeah. and explain that that, you know, power that's so potent and has so much oomph behind it that it kills Luke Skywalker in his attempt of using it, that this constant them seeing each other, uh, you know, crossing, you know, light years of distance to interact mm-hmm. with each other um, is part of the way that their makeup is the part of the fact that they are bonded. Now it's interesting. You bring that up now, uh, not so much the Luke Skywalker thing. We maybe can talk about that more in a minute, but one of the things that is in the visual dictionary for Mm -hmm. the rise of Skywalker is that Snoke knew that Ray and Kylo were linked through the force, a prophesized dyad connecting two individuals across space and time. Hmm. So that's an interesting one, right? So Snoke knew they were a dyad. So when Snoke gave that line, I I merged your minds, right? Yeah. I I, I assume he's he's what? He's lying, he's it's from a certain point of view type of situation. I feel it's more of the fact of like when he's yelling at Kylo about mm-hmm. how he's a child in a mask and stuff, I think what he's trying to push kylo away from him and towards ray like basically emotionally push him to reach out in another way and Mm. find this other half okay right and i i think it really was he expected it to be skywalker he's like okay you you couldn't find the map we've got to find him a different way yeah um how about this how about i forsake you and see how you react to that okay okay Do do you try to reach back to your old master you know maybe that'll be the way we get him okay and the interesting thing that you know, with the dyad, is it happens to our characters, you know, Ben and Ray, sort of without their consent, without their knowledge. You know, it just sort of happens. They're kind of sitting there and all of a sudden they, you know, tap into each other almost. They see each other. Yeah. So it's like the force is almost trying to pull them together. Yeah. Which is, I think, how now we're sort of supposed to interpret it. Well, I think at the end, yeah, we 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 make it that they are are literally star-crossed in the sense of like yeah. their their destinies are so interwoven that they're inescapable. It does, yes. I I think that's the idea. Is Star Wars is big on destiny. Star Wars mm-hmm. is big on prophecy, and this is essentially a prophesized meeting of these two halves. Yep. Okay. I'm I'm down with that. Okay. <laughs> now another thing from the Visual Dictionary that I thought was interesting. During his mind probe in The Force Awakens, so when Rey is on Kylo's ship and he takes off the mask for the first time and is interrogating her, uh, Kylo Ren feels a connection to Rey, unaware they are a dyad. The connection bridges their minds. So the idea that when he invades her mind, that's when they interlock. Uh Uh-huh. That that... That's the first meeting. And that's fun to think about as like that has an escalation curve that could feel right other than I don't really remember a time after that where you see them feeling each other's feelings or seeing each other's thoughts. Well, remember, it's only immediately after that that Ray essentially lets the force in as they're fighting with the lightsaber. No, 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 no. I'm saying as far as like her, that feels like when she kind of unlocks her force powers and it leads on her. What I'm trying to say is like, you never like if at the end of Force Awakens when Ben kills Han or something like that, if she like was screaming in a knowing sense of feeling that anguish, I think oh. you could really sell that. What I'm trying to say is like I don't feel that they if they're connected, it's on a very 
superficial level through that first whole movie. Well, remember, that's all at the end. That's all that all happens in the span of like a couple minutes. Like yeah. there's the interrogation. She's rescued and then Han is killed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like yeah. by the time we, we enter uh, The Last Jedi, they can yeah. see each other in different rooms. You know what I mean? Right. But that's like a day later. But I'm is saying, what I'm saying. Like in the grand scheme of things. Oh, that's crazy. Not a lot of time true. has passed. So it's not like. I, I'm just saying like know. if I was to believe that that was the plan the whole time, there would have sure. had to been a run Luke run auditory connection for me to believe that they were planning that the whole time is what I'm going to get at. And I'm the, well, Sure. Sure, none of this was planned the whole time, I think. I mean, I think that's it's, not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about no, no, how but I'm it saying the visual story. I'm saying the visual dictionary is yeah. trying to tie that that is the moment the dyad is created. Yeah. And my opinion would be, no, if it's a dyad that was prophesized, they've when they were born, the force was working to bring them together. That, like, Luke raising the lightsaber to Ben that drew him away is part of that grand sweeping plan. If that makes sense. It'll be interesting to see because it, it seems like they're possibly setting up that uh, when Ben left Luke. Yeah. That is when the force started awakening. I'll be interested to see what happens going forward with that. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Like I said, you know, it's, it's basically murky, a and domino say... that kind of. Well, yeah, this whole well, thing is still. Well, we I was going to say, little. it's murky, but I think it's also murky on purpose. Like, it's one of those questions I think they want us to have a question of, but not really an answer. Oh, sure. Um, sure. Yeah, I agree with you. So I don't think we're meant huh. to know these answers yet. I'm I mean, sorry, that's just the first time you give that yeah. information. I'm trying to process, of like, do I believe that the dyad started there and that it's pain through? Because, I mean, I do think that the dyad, as we see it in Rise, is a payoff of what we were establishing in, La- in Last. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with um, that. Out of yes. all the things, out of all the haters who are like, oh, they retconned all of us, Jedi. I'm like, that's one part you could certainly point out. Like, no, they did not. Yeah. <laughs> that that pays off, accelerates, and gets bigger in a natural grade. I agree. I, I agree. Okay, well, there's one more thing in the visual dictionary about yeah. the dyad. So apparently in the Sith ruins, there is a Sith eternal incantation carved in old tongue, which denotes the nature of the dyad, a pairing in the force. Hmm. Curiously, it is nearly identical to the text describing the rule of two. Inflection marks and line breaks change specific meaning in certain words. Whoa, that's brain melting. So that the rule of two <laughs> is a misinterpret, as Yoda would say, a prophecy misinterpreted, maybe. Yeah, misread. Uh, misread. Misread, yeah. I, I agree. And I think that's kind of what's interesting about all of this. When... You know, we hear about prophecy in Star Wars. Yeah. We learn about it a little bit in both Dooku Jedi Lost and Master and Apprentice. Yep. You know, we go into more as what is the prophecies when it comes to the Force. And I do think we're going to start getting more of that now. I think we're going to start to get a lot more mythical when it comes to learning about the Jedi and the Force. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, going forward in this new expanded universe that we're building now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said all that, I find it really interesting that they're maybe trying to play up this. Well, you know, just like the Jedi had this prophecy they misinterpreted, what if the Sith had the same? Yeah. The Sith believed in the rule of two, the Jedi believed in the chosen one, and they both put all their eggs in the wrong basket, and it turns out it takes this pairing of light and evil, sort of in a way, to defeat and bring balance to the Force. Right. Okay, so 
any other thoughts on what we've just talked about so far, man? No, 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 no. I have some other thoughts, but you know, I, I think we're ready to get off the reservation and start talking about just our blatant opinions. Uh, I mean, there's definitely <laughs> and our own be interpretations. It's funny, you know, we said we weren't going to speculate, but I think interpretation is different than speculation in this case, right? Well, the whole point of this episode is to start to revisit the newest chapter right. in Star Wars's lore, and at this point, you know, here in early 2019. 2019 (laughs) early 2020 early enough that i'm still saying 2019 we uh definitely we do not have the answers and we're not expected to have the answers like the first batch of them will come in a little while when we get the novelization yeah and then after that we might not get anything until they start letting you know Mm -hmm. new content be written in the aftermath of it and that's okay take the time figure it out I don't need an answer to everything. I, I just want to have an idea. Oh, there are some fans who do, though. <laughs> well, but I think there's a difference between letting a question sit and needing an answer, right? Agreed. Like, I don't feel like there's any answers that I'm owed or that I need, but there are answers I really want, like little things, like um, Luke's screen lightsaber, yep. right? What happens to it? Things like, uh, you know, how did Maz get uh, the Skywalker saber? Things that I want answers to, but I don't feel like I need them for the story to make sense. Well, I think Anakin's lightsaber I need because she said she promised it's us. literally for another time. So it's, it looks at watch. It is another time. <laughs> uh, isn't actually I could be wrong. Luke's green lightsaber. Isn't that with Leia's when he when she buries them or no, no, no that's the Skywalker saber. No, Never no, mind. It's the yeah, the blue. Never mind. OK. Oh, good. Um, so. <sighs> All right, thinking about this whole thing, the bridged minds and the prophecy element of it, but essentially what Palpatine says. Palpatine is aware of the dyad. Yes. Now, there are a couple things we know the dyad provides. Mm-hmm. One, a connection across space and time, as they say. So the ability for them to both communicate, but also, as we see in this film, to pass matter between one one another. Yeah, and that's what expands because last Jedi were starting, they see each other, then they start seeing the surrounding environment, and then by the time we get to Rise, they're starting to have physical interactions with each other's spaces. He grabs a necklace off of her to determine her location. She spills the berries out of that one jar into the room. Yeah. Yep. Uh, The Vader helmet goes through. And then at the end, the ultimate one, passing the Skywalker saber to each other. Which shows that we've gone beyond seeing each other and interacting with us to control yes that she can will that matter to him yes and i think it's really really cool that was a great move it took me until my second viewing to realize she didn't like let go of it and he pulled it with the force that's what i thought i thought it was like a force pull it wasn't until later that i realized she passed it to him yeah like a baton yeah i thought that was pretty great uh okay so here's the thing about this dyad Two halves of a whole, right? I mean, are we pretty, we feel good about that? We I feel, feel like the, two halves of a whole is a way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, whether you interpret it sociologically, whether you interpret um, by light, whether you interpret it just as dyad, meaning two of something. Like, yeah. we are definitely talking about a whole that okay. is created of two very distinct facets. Okay. So another power that they both seem to have, I but see, this is where it gets kind of confusing. Based on the diet or not, they both have the ability to force heal. But we know there is another Force user who has that same ability, but it is later on. They're the first people chronologically we see use Force Heal in this new canon we're setting up here. 
Mm. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. Yeah, as I say, Mandalorian. You're, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Mandalorian no, will take place earlier in time. Totally I off. think the thing about... Okay, <laughs> so the thing about forced healing is Ray yeah. knows how to do it. And we're yeah. implied that when she saves the snake that we... we this is not... Something she's like, oh, I didn't even know I could do that. She's yeah. like, no, I just, I passed on a little bit of my life force. Yeah. And she's holding her wrist and showing that, like, yeah. it's not a um, neutral yeah. thing. She can't just heal something and feel no ill effects. Like, yeah. she sort of inherits a lesser version of the wound. Yeah. Um, and so that tells me that it comes from the sacred Jedi text. That this is a power known to Jedi and that they've done force healing. But it's a dangerous technique because it drains one's own life energy. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm still. And that baby Yoda has so, I'm sorry. Yeah. The child has so much life in him. He, he can heal the wound in an old, old man, like nothing about it because he's got 900 years of life force to spend. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Um, I can't believe I was so off on that. No, you're okay. Changing my, uh, when's the last time you thought about those two thoughts together? Is it now and only now? It's right now and only now. (laughs) Yes. Good point. Okay. So then I guess my thought on it is kind of my final thought is it feels very weird to me that Mm -hmm. we spent up, you could argue two or three, however many films Mm -hmm. building up this connection, two sides of a coin, two halves of a whole, whatever. And we also have the theme of Ray waiting for her family you know, and then Ma's saying, oh, child, you know, it's not behind you. It's in front of you. You need to look ahead, right? Yeah. And then finding her family and finding her meaning and her purpose. Yeah. And that's all well and good. But I just feel really bad for Ray that she finds all this and she finds this family. Mm-hmm. And then she she loses her other half. Okay. that That's the part to me that I find difficult to deal you, with as far as the outcome you interpret that as loss yes okay because he's not with her right like he's he's not oh uh, so uh, let me give you my interpretation yeah so please. my interpretation of that is so kylo ren um like a bamf basically drags himself over with his broken leg yeah over to her squats down picks her up and gets Totally wrecked by the fact she's gone. Mm-hmm. She's dead. Full on dead. D A dead. And he knows the technique of force healing because Ray knew it, so he knows it. Kind of thing, right? That's how I took it, sure. And he is going to save her. Mm-hmm. He's going to throw all of his energy into her body to essentially resurrect her. Mm-hmm. Not really heal her. Resurrect her from the dead. Mm-hmm. And because of that noble sacrifice, mm-hmm. he heals his soul and is allowed to join one with a force kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then he he passes out because he took on her wounds, which is being dead. Mm-hmm. So he dies. Mm-hmm. But they get a moment to sort of consummate the fact that they had feelings for each other and that at the end of the day, there is this connection that isn't just the force. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he falls over, and then he's allowed to pass into the Force. Leia's allowed to pass in the mm-hmm. Force. And Rey is able to, like, pick herself up and be whole. Mm-hmm. And the way I interpret that is the Jedi and the Sith are over. They're done. The Dyad lives in her now. She is both halves now in a single body. 
I look at it as Kylo Ren and the energy that consummated him as a, as a being is literally part of her now. And that she is not light side, she is not dark side, she's not gray. She is beyond those kind of views. And that the entire nonology is basically the like birthing pains of getting past light and dark. You know, yeah. whether it's, you know, they're searching for the chosen one to defeat the remaining Sith because the Jedi yeah. want to eliminate the Sith forever. Not realizing that as long as the Jedi Order exists, the Sith have to exist. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And at the end, the the chosen one is corrupted. But through that corruption, he births two children that will become strong in the light side of the force to come at him Mm -hmm. and that he will kill the emperor, which will give 30 years of peace, which is all about him paving the way for his son to choose a different path than he had. Yeah. And Luke rebuilds the Jedi and creates the paradigm for the Sith to return all over again. And that when Rey is done, she is something new and she's carrying on the legacy of the Jedi, but she knows the noble sacrifices. She knows the worth of the dark side and the pain that it brings and the passion that it represents through her other half of Mm -hmm. Kylo Ren. But, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I interpret that as um, the Force finally getting synthesis yeah. of the two sides yeah. into something that is beyond that and is a wielder of the Force, noble and wise, and understanding the light must come with the dark and the dark yeah. must come with the light. So, are we sticking with the thought, then, that Kylo learns Force healing after Rey performs it on him? That like before that moment, did he have that ability? So my idea is if they're a dyad, she uses that ability and in a like biblical sense, he knows that ability. Not, mm. oh, I saw it demonstrating. He's like, I know what you did. You dropped your life force into me. Yeah. You know, like you channeled your your living force into me. It's sort of interesting in a way, thematically, that we have a Palpatine teaching a Skywalker the power to save the one he loves. But wouldn't you think, like right. I said, for my interpretation that I'm yeah. just saying, which admittedly some of this is just coming out of my head because I'm attaching the knowledge, the whole saga, connecting it together. I feel that that makes sense because the Palpatines and Skywalker have switched positions, mm-hmm. right? Basically, the the bloodlines that they have have to go like, okay, well, what if a, okay, what if the Skywalker stayed evil, but the Palpatine became good, and the Force is like, will that configuration work? <laughs> We want this to happen. Why is this not yeah. happening? The cosmic force wants to be the cosmic force and be beyond these trappings yeah. of these lesser beings having to see it as good and evil. Yeah. I would have really loved. I, don't, I see. I don't know how you how you make these changes. But I just would have loved a little bit more info about this. You know, a little bit more about Ray's how Ray's feeling. You know, so she has that line of, "Oh, I'm I'm Ray Skywalker," essentially saying that. I can choose the family I want. Mm-hmm. I can create my own path, no matter my history, no matter my family's history. Yeah. I can be who I want. And I think that's great because that's been and Ray's I- story the whole time, right? Is she can, she's bigger than her family. She can be what she wants. And she basically is adopted into this other family through her two Jedi teachers and Luke and Leia and through the other half of her dyad in Ben. And again, understand spinning a theory as we talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
something I'm just thinking about is like, and she sees, you know, the light side of the force at the end. She uh-huh. sees Luke and Leia. But my whole thing is like, she chooses Skywalker, which is also home to Anakin and Ben. Yeah. Like that family represents that balance, that equality, that synthesis of the two sides. Cause when you think about it, like it's kind of maybe even paying off the thing that Luke says, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he, at the end of last Jedi, actually, is it, is it, he said, it or Leia says it. Someone, someone says it where the, the no one's ever truly gone. Yeah. Luke says that. Right. And so we see that with like, Ben, his legacy lives on in Ray. Mm-hmm. He still exists. And the legacy of Anakin Skywalker lives through all the people that bear his name, including now Ray. Yeah. Um, I think there's something I think there's something about poetic about that. And like I said, I really want to see, you know, Ray go on adventures from here. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh I guess I, I guess I may not have had much time to say about it on our podcast, yeah. but at the end she's at the binary sunset. Yeah. Which in every story of star Wars, the binary sunset is the start of a new adventure, not the end. Even Luke in last Jedi, who's had got it is him finally reconnecting and joining the force again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and going on to be beyond, you know, taking the journey Kenobi took yeah. before him of becoming, you Part know, more powerful force. Yeah. yeah. More powerful than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. um, it's always a symbol of, hope and new beginnings so it whether disney explores it sooner later or i guess much later there's no universe where they don't explore it um uh i think we're gonna see ray go off and have adventures as this new being and i think she'll end up being the wisest and most noble of all the force users we've ever seen that's cool it is very cool it's I think what it comes down to is we ha- they're really interesting characters. Yeah. And we just want more from them. I mean, oh, it's yeah. The same way people felt, I'm sure, after episode six. This is great. But like Luke and Leia are 22. Like they still have a whole lot of life left. There's a whole you lot know? of adventures. Like left. what else are they going to do? And we got to go to those other planets and knock the Empire down. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah, we, we started here, but the Empire is not just going to disappear. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's so much more to tell potentially about the force that that's really what it comes down to. And every time I have any, uh, questions about some of the story beats in this film, as we're going to be talking tonight, I think it all comes back to, I want to know more about the force yeah, and what is happening here just because we've had such great explanations of what the force is, mm-hmm. but I want to know, and I, I guess, you know, I just want to know more. It's just would, a curiosity, I think. And I would say that I think that we're, we're definitely going to get that over time. Cause I mean, I think about how hung up and I mean, hung up from viewing one to viewing seven in theaters to viewing, I don't know how many teens we got into when it got to home video, but <laughs> I kept watching the force awakens and I really enjoyed it. And I still was like, What's with Hossie and Prime? Why is that important? Why don't they spend a line of dialogue to explain that? I just, I'm sorry, people who hate the prequels, but like, I just need a little more political theater (laughs) to understand that. And then we got bloodlines eventually. And I stopped caring because while it's not in that movie, I have the answer I needed to, to get over that hang up in the movie. Um, So I think we're going to get the same kind of thing is eventually 
what Ray became and how she feels about it and how connected she is to the force and the Skywalkers that have gone beyond the veil. And, you know, all that stuff may have an answer that will satisfy a lot of people, you know, a book five years from now. Yeah. Or it may not. I mean, that's the future is always in motion. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully one day we'll come back to this topic when we have some more information on it Whoa. and we've, uh, you know, polished up our own kind of head theories a little bit as well. And there's another thing is Palpatine says the first dyad in hundreds of years or just a hundred years. I feel like he says like a millennia or a thousand years. I, I feel like something like that. He states a number that's not astronomical enough to be outside of Star Wars canon, which means that you could have a story that's you know, a thousand years before episode one or 4,000 years like Knights of the Old Republic or something where we have another force dyad. Mm -hmm. These aren't unknown. And imagine how much we could learn about their relationship if we see one that was allowed to go the whole way, right? Yeah. That isn't cut short by Palpatine's machinations. Yeah, that would be interesting. So there's a lot of ways to tell mm -hmm. that story and not all of them require it to be a direct follow-up or yeah. a direct conversation about this. That's too. an interesting point. I mean, hopefully there's more to learn there too, because the force dyad is apparently how Palpatine was able to be reborn, heal himself, create a new, they outfit. have enough connection to the force yeah. that he can draw enough energy to restore his body with yeah. whatever, with admittedly, whatever spells and knowledge he has right, to make right. that energy yeah, into something. I, I kind of took it as a dark side power. So Ray has the ideal uh, ability to give life. He, he has the has, ability to take it, which I think makes a lot of sense in that in that film. Uh, okay, so I think it's a very interesting concept, and they gave it a name, which means Star Wars fans are going to be speculating and thinking about it for a yeah. long time until we write an answer for ourselves. If no one else gives us one. <laughs> One day there will be. All right, Mac. Well, do you have anything else to add? No, I think I'm good for now. All right. Ready to move on to Babu? Oh, Babu Freak. All right. Stick around after the break for Babu. Star Wars is for everyone. Every day, we have the ability and opportunity to create a more accepting world by actively coming together and living inclusively. Whether it's the galaxy far, far away or right here at home, there's always a chance to do even small things to include other people. Let them know that they're loved. Just regardless of the differences we have between us, what makes us in common is far more important. Yeah, Star Wars loves and accepts all. And it's always been about that. And here we are in 2020, Star Wars more inclusive than ever. I can't tell you how many different people from different walks of life, different ability levels, different races, creeds, genders that were all together at Star Wars Celebration to celebrate the things we love. Sometimes it feels like you're fighting against the Empire when you're trying to champion what's right. But remember, it takes all of us to fight an Empire. So join us and everyone else in the galaxy and learn how you can come together at lovehasnolabels.com brought to you by the Ad Council. time that we've had Star Wars, I 
I never knew Droid Smith was a profession. Does that does that mean that Anakin Skywalker is also a Droid Smith? Very much so. Who knew they were Smiths? I mean, and if they're anything like the specimen we saw here in Rise of the Skywalker, well, we've got a treat. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. I know. <laughs> I know. I put another thought in there. I'm going to keep putting another thought in there. The Rise of the yeah. Sky. So in the Rise Walker. of the of the Rise yeah. of the Sky of the Skywalker, uh-huh. the Rise. There's a little guy in it named Babu Free. There is, and he's amazing. He's pretty great. He won the hearts of every audience member in that moment. I haven't heard anyone, unless they're just being steaming and hyperbolic, say that like, oh, you know, Rise of Skywalker is great. I loved Baba Freak. Or, oh, Rise of Skywalker, I hated it. Baba Freak was okay. <laughs> you know, like, everyone likes him. He's adorable and, and delightful yeah. and kind of a jerk. He's only nine inches tall. That's very tiny. So tiny. It was nice to see that because while we have seen like characters like Jawas and Ewoks that are yeah. shorter than standard, it was nice to see a creature that is significantly like a sapient species that's really yeah. small. I love it. He has a data pad that has giant buttons that he has to step on to operate <laughs> it. He, but he also has some stature. equipment that is sized to him, too. Yeah, he's got that plasma cutter. And what I found out about that is it's got like a different setting. So it's like a multi-tool. Like different heat Um, settings and different uh, power settings. So that was pretty neat. But it makes sense because he kind of like almost gets inside of droids when he's messing around with them. Yeah, his size makes that that feasible for him. And he also has like microscopic vision. Like his eyes can like focus down to a microscopic level. And that's really cool. Those Anzellians are known for their focus. Is that how you pronounce that? Anzellian? I'm assuming that's from the visual guide is probably where that showed uh-huh, up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I pulled this all right off the paper. Nice. 85 years old, uh, 9 inches, or 0.22 millimeters. Now here's my question. Is that 85 like in human years, or is that 85 in Yoda years? Well, that's 85 in Anzellian years. Which who knows what that means. He could be really, really young, or he could be really, really old. I don't know. Well, it does say something about how his feet are starting to tire out, but he's still got a little pep in his step. Well, I like that he basically works on C-3PO like other people would work on like a something in a garage, right? Like the back yes. plate of C-3PO's head is like someone hoisting an engine block on chains because yeah. it all makes sense. It's just by scale, he's got to do a little bit more work to move some of this stuff out of his way. But he's also got yes. little tiny hands so he can get right inside the processor units of C-3PO's heads very easily. He, he does it. He does such a good job of it, too. He knows exactly. He's the only one who can get this droid to translate this Sith. So I want to go back to, he's kind of a jerk, though, and I love that about him. So at the beginning, he's talking to them in Azalean or yeah. or in, you know, I don't know. And it didn't sound like Huttese, but like he's talking in some lang- alien language that yeah. Zora Bliss knows. Yeah. And they're going back and forth. And then, like, as soon as he establishes, like, like he's like a bad mechanic using a fake accent to like break up English. So he can give you a bad quote and you can't seem to tackle him. Cause like, I don't know what you're saying. I, you know, it's, it's gotta be this. And like, as soon as like Zora bliss is in the room saying like, like, you know, speaking it to is like, then he starts speaking basic all of a sudden. And I just took that as like, he's just messing with people. That's what he likes to do. He just likes to mess with people. Cause, cause as soon as that is over, it's like a complete memory wipe is what C3VO says. He's like, like, yeah, throw the brain blank. Yeah, <laughs> just black. And I'm like, and then the rest of his scenes, he's speaking basic, like broken basic, but basic. Yeah. Well, hey, 
you know, people come into your shop and Thieves' Quarter and, you know, all of a sudden they're just talking, not your language. They show up with this droid and, you know, you got you got stuff in the <laughs> backlogs. <laughs> Is it you have stuff you were working on? They say yeah. drop everything. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be a little jerk to them. It took him three minutes just to walk to them across his shop do you know how hard it is to make a living an honest living as a droid smith working for a spice running cartel well talk about um, honest living he makes his normal you know his square job uh for being a mechanic just a regular old mechanic oh. his modifications of droids are exclusive to the spice runners oh. he's only helping them out apparently so which is interesting a man as talented as babu is locked in with this one affiliation only well i like the idea that you know, he's like an illegal droid smith, but like, what does that even mean? Because, you know, after the New Republic takes over, they're so heavy handed about demilitarizing the Republic. Yeah. That could be like robots with independent processors are illegal. Yeah. Like it could be really mundane because one thing I think we're seeing established just a teeny bit is the New Republic tried to bring about a new order, but there's still a lot of empire running through the New Republic. There's still a lot of new boss still under same management yeah. on certain things. Well, remember, there are a lot of we, we do read in Bloodline. There are a lot of people in the oh, government the, who they're whose politics are centralist. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing about Babu is he loves the challenging nature of his work. He uh, he spends time. <laughs> this was really funny. OK. On he's active on scavenger holonet boards, contacting fellow gearheads. Oh my God, he's on Space Reddit. <laughs> I, I I did like that. I like that a lot. You know, just oh, Babu I just poking away like one giant key at a time and just laughing to no, himself. No, just jumping, yeah, <laughs> jumping to fill in words, and it's just like, like Droid Freak Freak uh, 2015 yeah. is just writing things yep. about about like, nah, you need a part 76, not a part 78, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's gained this reputation. For being able to reprogram or modify any droid, maybe the reputation comes from his message board presence. Maybe he's internet famous. <laughs> he's an influencer in the droid mechanic world. Oh my god, he's got like a YouTube channel where he's like, today I'm going to show you how you demagnetize a fusion core. <laughs> Glad to have you here. Click like and subscribe. <laughs> today, I show you droid memory blank. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple other things I want to talk about because... Bob's design is great. He's got that great faceplate, you know, that slides down. The welding kind of, goggles. welding goggles, like... yeah. He's got that little torch we talked about. His whole shop is awesome. We yeah. see a, an OOM battle droid in the background there. Uh, one thing I found out about his shop uh, is that he... Where'd it go? He uh, uses his own custom recipe deep cleaner in his oil baths for his droids. Something so he's he's it's not some FDA special approved. modifications he did himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, but hey, it, it seems like he it gets, gets results, results right? <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. It, it does. <laughs> yeah, when you look at Babu Freak's like Yelp reviews, it's five stars across the board. If it wasn't for having to make the trek to Kajimi, he'd, he'd be yeah. like perfect score. Doesn't he get cold? It's so cold on Kajimi, it looks like. Is it easier so or tiny. harder to stay warm when you're tiny? I don't know. Right. Well, I bet he's got all the insulation. There's a lot of electricity running through there. That's true. In fact, I even think the official dictionary says something about that. So, I mean, one of the things I, I think is fun is I don't know if in Star Wars, other than maybe Poe Dameron, mm -hmm. 
have we seen someone who enjoys their job so much? He really is having a great time. Oh, he is. And he's got a nice detachment also. Like, C-3PO is trying so He's like, I want to look upon my friends for the last time. And Baba Freak's like, yeah, yeah, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a certain level of, like, just blue collar. I need to get this done. And But th- there's fun. Like, uh, I like the fact that, like, uh, I mean, every scene he's in has just gotten great humor to it. Yeah. Whether it's C-3PO like, oh, wait a minute. I've thought of another. <laughs> and then Baba Freak just sort of like, like going, yeah, we did it. Yeah. This is going to work. And then when C-3PO comes back, just like, hey, like, you know, it's excited he got it done. And yeah. He's back. And then, of course, he's like oblivious to the important information. When C-3PO goes all Sith Road and going like, the coordinates for the, like, you know, going all evil. He's like, huh, that's weird. And then C-3PO is like, oh, hello. Hey, I'm Babu Freak. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, I'm C-3PO. And we hear that, you know, that classic Anthony Daniels line yeah. delivered in this new way. And then he goes, I Babu Freak. It's just the way he draws out each word is so adorable. He wants to make sure it's there. Yeah. So, so if you he... haven't seen it, you really need to see Babu in action. There's also an adorable figure of him. In the uh, six-inch black series line, it comes. It was, I think, a Target exclusive. It comes with a three PO figure. Okay. And that three PO figure comes with the bowcaster and the bandolier and all of those other items that they get from Chewbacca, but no dagger, unfortunately. Uh, But then it also on that unit, three PO's back of his head plating can be removed on that toy. Oh, that's which is pretty great. Um, And he's adorably tiny. He's very tiny. Yeah, he looks so tiny. Right next to, he's like porg sized. Oh, he's he, basically he, he's the size right of about a porg, porg sized. Yeah. And the nice thing is, he's so tiny. He's easy to travel with. Like if you're Azura Bliss going off to go fight the yeah. end, the you know the the end of the movie finale, you can uh-huh. just throw him in your Y wing. He's like one of those little dashboard bobbleheads. That's about how much space he. takes He up. almost might as well have just been the porg on board because like was, yeah. he pops up during the uh, the <laughs> Battle of Exegol and just is like hey again like he's great. Yeah. Uh, so I have one more thing I want to talk about here, and yeah. it's sort of related to Baba Freak, but not really, because it's a 3PO line. Uh, there's one line in The Rise of Skywalker here that I absolutely love, and that's when it's Poe or Finn. I think Finn is... I've only seen the movie three times, so I'm still a little hazy only. on some things. Me too. Only. Uh, so Finn, I think it is, says to 3PO, doesn't R2 back up your memory? And 3PO basically brushes it off saying... Oh, R2's memory banks are famously unreliable. (laughs) And what I love about that is that could be interpreted in some different ways. You know, it could be a, well, R2 hasn't had his memory wipe, but 3PO has. So to 3PO, he's the one who's like, what is this droid talking about? We've never done that. He's he's a droid well past his warranty kind of thing. Yeah. The other way to look at it is, well, R2's memory banks being famously unreliable is that, you know, people always ask, well, why does an R2 recognize Ben? You know, like the, the things that R2 does in the original trilogy that sort of kind of don't match up the with the thing. prequels. Yeah. yeah. So it's just this great little hand wavy line that I absolutely love in that moment because it's open to interpretation. I think some of the best stuff in Star Wars is open to interpretation. Not everything does have to be a hard and fast answer. And I and I and, like that little line there. And Pan. my favorite thing about Star Wars is when you just cut open new territory on the map of yeah. what Star Wars can do. 
without standing around to explain it because they'll only explain it as much as the characters who live in that universe would need an explanation. So like the entire sequences of Kajimi, I loved because they don't tell you exactly what's going on. Why are there spice runners on here? Why is it such a cold planet? Why is it the multi-leveled city? Why are Forrester troops going and knocking on everyone's door? Why are there night raids? What is that new walker that's only in the background of this one shot? <laughs> like, there's a lot going on there, and yeah. the point is not to spend time focusing on it because the characters in the universe wouldn't. This is normal to them. And, like, to me, just as I open this, this segment up with, a droidsmith, that's a thing. <laughs> there have been tons of droid smiths in Star Wars, but like, like suddenly Dr. Aphra is one of the best droid smiths in the universe. That's what her actual profession is. She has a PhD in droid smithering. <laughs> you know, like that that is now a profession that we always needed a name for in Star Wars and just assume we didn't have mm-hmm. one. So we're like, ah, droid export, droid scientist, droid whatever. No, Smith. Well, Babu Freak, we're here for you. We want you to know we support you. Hey, hey. All right, let's talk about the Sith Eternal. Yeah, let's go take a look at the the last faction of the Sith. (laughs) All right, stick around after the break. Could you imagine if Han had left Chewie down in that pit? My God, no. No, no, right? Han needed to rescue Chewie to feel fulfilled in his life. Well, there's another thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to rescuing, and that's shelter pets. Mm. Every shelter pet is unique. Some love a game of fetch. Others love a good snuggle on the couch. Chewie loves Robin trains. There's one thing, though, that they all have in common, and that's their all-pure love. You know, right now, millions of pets are in shelters and rescues across the country waiting to be adopted. Did you know that only 44% of dogs and only 47% of cats in America come from animal shelters and rescue groups? You know what's interesting, Mac, is we adopted our two cats. And I'll tell you, these two cats, we've had them about five years now. They were about five when we adopted them. They're about 10 now. They have been the best thing. They have their own little Star Wars collars. It's great. My two cats, Peach and Daisy, also came from a shelter, and I wouldn't have it any other way. If you're thinking about getting a pet this holiday season, make sure to visit the shelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, Maddie's Fund, and the Humane Society of the United States. So here's the thing, Mac. Mm-hmm. We learned about the Sith Eternal. Yes. But are they ever called the Sith Eternal in the film? I do not think it's on screen. I don't think it's ever actually said, right? We do hear it called the Final Order. Right. So before we put this topic together, we're kind of getting confused of like, so what's the faction's name? Yeah. Is it the Final order because the first order comes and joins forces with this Sith remnant and becomes the final order or, but according to the visual dictionary, which is where we're getting this from is the Sith eternal is the name of that fleet and the officers and troops that comprise it. So the Sith eternal is made up of engineers, shipwrights and enslaved labor. Okay. So if you're wondering, okay, you know, how is this entire force, on this planet Exegol, out in the unknown regions, 
basically, these are people who, not counting the slaves, have been loyal to Palpatine since the time of the Empire. Right. These are the people who are the fanatics and the people that basically, it seems, Palpatine entrusted to, to a certain extent, know what the Sith are or let him in. Basically, the way I look at it is everybody who's part of this Sith Eternal fleet. Yeah knows more about Palpatine than the rest of the galaxy ever did. They understand that he is not just the emperor because he is this cunning politician. He is the emperor because he is a powerful being. He is a god, essentially. They know Darth Sidious is the emperor. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, okay? So if we have um, all of these people, so we have Sith troopers and we have jet troopers and we have all these commanders and we have these worshipers that we see, you know, we have all of these people. So I think together we're calling that the Sith Eternal. Yeah, the Sith Eternal, I guess, would be what Palpatine's final goal is, is to build a eternal Sith Empire. One okay. that doesn't even have the pretense of a government like yeah. the the Galactic Empire did. Like yeah. it is truly, and and for that matter, yeah. this might have been going on for the last fifty years. This yeah. could have been a thing. Is when he formed the Galactic Empire, he went and sent his best people to this Sith stronghold world, mm-hmm. and just started building this stuff. Yeah, and and preparing contingencies and being ready for what might come next. So let's talk about the plan for a second then. Let's okay. talk about this. So to me, Palpatine Sidious has had two plans that we've seen, okay? Okay. His ultimate plan, his ultimate goal, is it to rule the galaxy or to get rid of the Jedi? Well, I know. I would right? say it is it's... I would say it is actually honestly at the end of this it is to have an eternal legacy it is to make the sith never live in the shadows the way the jedi made them for two centuries two millennia yes so okay i think that's i think that's kind of where my head's at so my headspace is basically this palpatine's goal is to have unlimited power to mm-hmm. be had to have un unobstructed unopposed power right he personally believes that cannot be achieved until the Jedi are destroyed. Right. So destroying the Jedi, which is what we pick up with him trying to do. So if you look on it with hindsight, you know, he creates Snoke and Snoke is out there trying to kill the last Jedi. That is literally the whole crux of this trilogy is Snoke, i.e. Reed Palpatine. Yep. Trying to kill the last Jedi. He's got a fleet. He's got everything he needs, right? Yeah. So, well, except for again, this is where I go to legacy because originally I would say immortality, but that's because I tie the events of the EU story, uh, Dark yeah. Empire, yeah, way not, to let's not mess with no, no, no. But that. I'm just saying, like my head of like, how did em- the Emperor survive? I'm like the exact way he did in Dark Empire because that's the only way I can think because it's the only frame of thinking I have to process why yeah. he's still alive. And when I think about that, I feel that whatever he used to survive is not perfect it will break down he will die again oh yeah and and that's why i say it's a legacy because i feel when he's tempting ray he's like no seriously if you take over and become the empress that's awesome for me as long as the sith endure 
and I will live on through you. And I do not mean like, I don't think he thinks that he's going to possess her or something and become, you know, Lady Palpatine. Like, I really think he understands that like, no, I will die, but I will die so that the Sith crush yeah. the Jedi once and for all yeah. and become an everlasting empire that will rule over the galaxy for all eternity. So then that comes back to the question of, is he literally all the Sith? So if, uh, if Palpatine is all the Sith plus Palpatine, right? Yeah. Is Rey then, if she strikes him down, all the Sith, including Palpatine? I See, that's... The, I guess, do, how literally do we take some of this stuff, right? I guess my interpretation is I don't care. Like, whether he's literally meaning like, hey, when I told you the, the story of Plagueis, that's because I saw it. Because I'm, sure. I'm the Avatar. I can see back to all my past lives and know everything every Sith did. Like that's what I'm asking, little, can he? Well, I'm saying, real quick, I'm saying, if that's the case, yeah. or he read about it on a security cam footage when he saw Plagueis get murdered by him and he's snickering because I killed you because I'm your apprentice, Yeah, it really doesn't change what he does. But what I'm trying be- to say is the reason I think it's up to interpretation because the actual answer is ambiguous because it does it could go either way and it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the events and how they react to them. Whether it, he is the last of the Sith. It and- doesn't change the events, but it could potentially change his motivation, which is what we're talking about here. Because is it the yeah. motivation of this man is it the motivation of every sith who's come before him is it the first sith who did this passed on their being like they're in the driver's seat is it just uh he has all the knowledge of everyone that's come before him is it the continual revenge of when i built the galactic empire i didn't go far enough this time i'll get it right yeah which I guess is maybe part of because I'm I feel like that's why they're Sith troopers and Sith officers and the Sith yeah. Eternal is because he's like no 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 I shouldn't have been a Sith Lord in secret everyone should have to every day say their dark prayers and worship the great evil and well that's sure what it board. feels like where this is going right of anyone who doesn't accept the Sith we're gonna destroy their planet yeah it's it's a it's a cult yeah at this point yeah it's not a we're gonna pretend to be fair we're not gonna pretend to be a democracy. We're not going to pretend to listen. We're going to do... Well, more importantly, we're going to do what I was thinking about doing on the galactic scale, which is, hey, planet, do you accept the Sith into your heart? No, then we're nuking you. Yeah. You're just gone. Your entire culture, everything about you is ceased to exist because our ships, the uh, Exton-class Star Destroyers are all equipped with planet killers, and we're just going to glide around the galaxy. And yeah, there'll be, you know, only 14% of all star systems in known space left over, but I'll rule them. (laughs) Well, I think, yes, I I think so, right? So let's talk about, okay, so Palpatine's plan, I think we can say it's ambiguous at best, but there's two things he's always wanted, Mm -hmm. power unopposed power right Mm -hmm. unlimited power and to destroy the jet and revenge yeah and that revenge i think can be read as revenge against the jedi for essentially eliminating the sith forcing them to be in hiding forcing them to be the rule of two forcing them to live in secret yeah it would be like all right maybe this i'm not a super religious person but like it would be like if catholics completely eliminated christians right and then the Christians had to rebuild in secret. They're kind of the same thing, but slightly different. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Right? Like, so it, it's interesting because these are two religions, I mean, essentially, yeah. that I think we're definitely meant to interpret neither got right. 
neither of them understood the true purpose of manipulating well, I think the it's force. supposed to be like if you took different branches of the same religion so like uh roman catholic versus like orthodox catholic or you're yeah. taking protestants and the yeah. different sects of protestants is like you guys are all running from the same playbook you believe there's this living force this energy that yeah. binds all galaxy together except for your interpretation of what you do with that is horribly different and you're in a religious war with each other over it yeah yes when in reality from most casual observer it's all the same stuff yes yes i that's my point. Thank you for articulating that. Sure, sure. Yes, I agree. So, okay. So Palpatine is a man who maybe will never know his internal thoughts and motivations, but we know what he's after. And that is to somehow have the Sith rule and to have the Sith eliminate the Jedi. Sith with a capital S, all of them. And I feel for 20 years he thought he eliminated the Jedi. You know what I mean? Yeah. He did the purge and he did it. And I think that, like I said, through Snoke, he basically finds out like, oh, oh, there's like two of them left. That's yeah. so annoying. Is, the, is this how Yoda and Mace felt of like somewhere in the galaxy? There's two jerks we need to get rid of and then we'd be happy. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? The Jedi eliminate most of the Sith. Then the Sith eliminate most it's of the, the Jedi. Jedi. And then the Jedi think they've eliminated the Sith. And it, and, and, but just, and again, yeah. and in the end, it all comes down to canceling through synthesis, canceling yeah. through. Well, now they're together. Deal. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about these Zeisting class star yeah. destroyers because there is one interesting about them, besides the fact that they have planet killing weapons. Well, they rip out the main hangar bay and throw just a doom cannon on it. <laughs> so one thing about these ships, uh, besides the doom cannon, which is kind of the evolution of the dreadnought we see in episode eight, which right. is kind of interesting. That is a powerful cannon, but only powerful enough to bombard a planet very severely. Not powerful enough to blow it up. Not to break through the Can crust. Can I just say, when Kajimi is blown up, yeah. that looks really cool. They, I yeah. think the special effects of that in this film are awesome. It's way more devastating because you can kind of see that this isn't the Death Star because it's not just a pop. Yeah. You can kind of see the chain reaction in the planet system failing. Yeah. Yes. And it's really rad. Against that black backdrop, too, just those orangish red lines kind of cutting through the rubble. Yeah. So those Star Destroyers are fitted with efficient automation systems to cut down on crew requirements. Because they have to be. Yeah. Which begs the question, why make them that big in the first place, then? Because it represents power. Why? Okay, I'm going to Okay, I'm gonna say, one of, one of the biggest little nitpicks I have with the Rise of Skywalker is like, Remember that first scene in the movie where they're like rising up like this whole fleet and we see yes. that there's like two quadrillion star destroyers? Yes. Was it like an easy bake oven? Were they like were they in a mold that they're breaking out of? Like why were they in the crust? That's where they were parked. The garage is underground. Don't you open a, don't you put like a door on that? Or oh, like, I'm sure there is. I just they, they have a giant pit that they that there's a giant chain that I takes just, them down. But like you know, like, who are you hiding that from? Like, you're you're on a planet that can only get through this one passage that you apparently need, like, a star map to get to. I just, well, I found it very, like, I, I took it as, and I was still surprised that we didn't get a dead ringer. of Like, I really took it as wraiths. Like, some of the people, like those fanatics at the football mm-hmm. stadium seats inside the Emperor's re- assembly room. <laughs> like, I took it as, like, they're, like, 
undead things. They're un they're like him. They're unnaturally alive. Mm. Like dead Imperial officers that Sith magic has reanimated. Because when I saw those Star Destroyers, it felt like a zombie it did. breaking it, it out has, of his it has that effect of breaking through and, the ground. Yeah. And visual storytelling, it is that. It is, yes. hey, just when you thought the Emperor was dead, actually they're rising back from the dead. Yeah. The Emperor too, and everything he represented. Um, yeah, because that was one of my my jokes was like, so how do they not know about the six billion people that live on Exegol manning all these ships and manning all their stuff? So hearing the automation does help a lot to yeah. say like, yeah, no, uh, we went from a crew complement of your average Star Destroyers around like 2000 people. Oh, well, how many are in this? 30, <laughs> 30 total, including fleet technicians who have really rad helmets. They do. I don't know if you saw those, but they're red and pointy and sort of Snowtrooper-esque. Yeah. But also, like, other things. Oh, man. I wish we rad. would have spent time. I really think that that actually is one of the coolest things. Their aesthetic, the the very imperial, but somehow even darker and blacker with these beautiful red accents to all their stuff. Yeah. Is really nice. Yeah. And obviously, the First Order must mostly get folded into it because, I mean, Allegiant General Pride just, like, says, like, like new uniform, snaps his fingers, stat. <laughs> <laughs> and just hops on the flagship and, and he's got it yeah he's playing for the winning team you know he, he's not afraid to make it happen so one of the other things interestingly enough about pride that you bring it up i didn't have this in my notes so i'm hoping i'm remembering correctly snoke held him in reserve uh as a you know as a commander of their forces uh basically as sort of like a backup plan you're like the fleet commander if if we need something other than Starkiller. Yes, exactly. And after Hux's You're, failure, you're the general tag to yeah. Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we get Sith troopers. We get Sith jet troopers. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that red design is great. Yep. They're awesome. They look yep. cool. They they look good on those Star Destroyers. Uh, they look good walking through the hall. I mean, they're cool. It's yeah. a cool design. It's a nice color red. Um, I like that. At the end of this saga, we got this sort of very, the Sith are here taking over. Not yeah. the Empire, right? Not a dictatorship. The Sith. I, I like that a lot. I, I yeah. like that that was a smart way to go. Um, and to sort of reveal them back to the galaxy. And, you know, you kind of have this moment in this film where people are now more understanding of what the Jedi are. You know, when when Ray and Finn meet Han, it's a very the Jedi are this mythical thing that everybody thinks is a legend. Same way after the Clone Wars. Right. People right. thought, oh, did they ever even really exist? And here we have this moment where the Sith are sort of reintroducing themselves to the galaxy. And we also have the Jedi kind of previously through the legends of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Reintroducing themselves to the galaxy. And it's kind of this thing because the force is, well, awakening. It, it's yeah. coming back in a strong way. And um you know, there's even this random guy on a rebel base who knows all about Sith dark magic. So, you know, people just know. Yeah. yeah. Can, can I ask you one yeah. super nerdy question? Oh, please. I hope I know the answer. Okay. Well, it's, it's speculation. Oh, so, okay. So the super laser, right, yeah. that they use yeah. on this Eisting class is yeah. red. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, traditionally, Star Wars lasers are orangey-red for the good guys mm -hmm. in space. And red, red for hand blasters. Yeah. And green for the Empire. 
The Empire has shot green lasers. Yes. Now, the Death Star's laser is green. Now, the reason that that is, is because the Death Star, as they established in other canon, is powered by kyber crystals. Yes. It's basically lightsaber technology being weaponized at a grand scale. Yes. So if that's the only thing that can produce a super laser, does that mean that these Star Destroyers not only have a super laser with a kyber crystal somewhere in it, but that that kyber crystal has been bled? That it's an evil kyber crystal? At this point, I don't think we are meant to interpret that these weapons are powered by kyber crystals. Mm, okay. And I think the reason I feel that way is because I don't think there was anything about Kyber powering Starkiller. Oh, good point. Right. And I assume... And Starkiller is red. Yeah. I, I assume it's a similar technological leap mm. to these planet killers. And I also assume that these planet killers, that Sidious had a lot of this technology ready. Mm-hmm. He wasn't necessarily ready to, for example, let the First Order have it. They don't need the planet killers. It's like the kids can have the safety scissors until I'm ready to come in and really cut this thing up. Which is why That's the First Order them, First Order themselves may have invented Star Killer Base themselves, independent of their backing. Well, from but the remember, the First Order is Snoke. And that comes back to how autonomous was Snoke. But was I think that creation of Palpatine that then like got loose. Like, so, I mean, and I feel that's terribly ambiguous. And I take it, it as, is. I take it as like Snoke is an agent that the Palpatine threw out as one of his many contingency plans. See, I felt that too, until we saw a bottle, a vial full of Snoke's. Well, yeah, but that, that just yeah. tells me that Snoke is not a natural born being. He was created. That's all that yes. means to me. Yes. And that there might be more than one of that agent running around the galaxy. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. There's some interesting stuff happening with Snoke in the Kylo Ren comic. Oh, right or the other thing is, you're so. assuming the Snoke we see in Last Jedi is the same one we saw in Snowkiller Base. Good there point. could be more than one, There though. could be more than one Snoke. There Send could in be the an opulent Snoke. There could be a dark, spooky Snoke. There could be a sporty Snoke. Malibu Beach House Snoke. <laughs> Uh, who knows uh-huh um i i will say it i i will die on this hill i thought snoke was awesome i thought he was a cool character and honestly i think being a puppet of palpatine makes him a cool character i think it makes it yeah, more and sense even, and, and it makes it interesting a more interesting character and i think it makes sense of when you feel that he's a ah he's like the emperor again it's like yes he is literally he's supposed to be yeah he is that force in the galaxy yeah. i i'm into that i'm really into that i think snoke is gonna be interesting over you know these next couple years as we get more info absolutely and i think the sith eternals really need and like i think one of the only silly things about it is like like hey guys we finally figured out how to defeat the fleet and they start blowing up all those fleets oh well that makes sense they can't leave atmosphere they can't fire their weapons they're they're stuck here and they're mm -hmm. not designed to deal with you know mm -hmm. this flotilla of all of these different ships of every make model and manufacture like yeah. they're kind of screwed but they have a cool hex charm they do have a cool hex charm. Oh, do you think all of them have a hood ornament? We should go look at the front of them. If they, every Star Destroyer has a hood ornament, <laughs> like a good like three like inch a tall classic Mercedes, like yeah, yeah. But you on can't a Star see Star Destroyer should be like thirty feet tall, right? No, no, it's not to scale. It's literally it's... the same one as on that land speeder that we identify oh, the hex charm. I like except it. it's just it's just like a little finishing touch. Um, no, but like 
we know there's at least one, because it's the one that blows up Kajimi. We know at least one exited the system. Yeah. And then we see a whole bunch of them at the end just getting blown up. And I'm just like, so so those are out in space with all their armament and all of their abilities. like, And they're blowing up planets like anytime they want. It's It's kind of crazy to think about these just running around. Like, well, how many left Exegol before Exegol's... Well, only one, right? Well, because Palpatine one that... says, send one of the ships from the fleet. Well, right, but here's my question. Yeah. Don't we see at least two of them blow up at the end? Because there's the one over oh, Endor. Oh, I thought those were First Order Star Destroyers. I didn't think those oh. were the Zeistin class. Well, I'll have to go look. Yeah. I'll have to Check go look. That. Fourth viewing. Fourth. We, we have to. We still need to do T-Box. We have I to. I mean, we're going to see it. I need to see it at least oh, okay. one more time. Sorry, folks. We got to end this topic because we got to get to the movies again and figure <laughs> out this out. We'll have revisions of these in like a couple of months. <laughs> see you then. Right, uh, let's bring this to a close. <laughs> Our first episode dealing with the rise of the Skywalker. Uh, the rise of Skywalker. Yes. The rise of Sk- The first episode nine content that we've produced since its release. Mac. Yes. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, I like everything that's Star Wars. Me too, man. Right? Because even if there's a movie... That let me give you the perfect example. Mm-hmm. I really like episode two of Attack of the Clones. Me too. I think there's some really great stuff in there. My least favorite thing to all to watch in all of Star Wars is the Droid Factory scene in that movie. And it's not that the Droid Factory scene isn't neat or it's not fun or exciting. It's just when you compare it to everything else, it has sort of fallen down my list of like. Sure. This is the part when I watch Star Wars and I'm. The only time where I'm like, oh, should I just fast forward through this? Like, how many times do I need like to see the Padme is going to get melted alive, but she's not really like, you know, and it's just that the first time I saw it, it was super exciting. Yeah. And over time, it's kind of realized that like, as much as I like this, this bit of it is a part that, you know, it's not my favorite and that's okay. It's okay to like certain parts of things and to not like others. And you know what the best thing about Star Wars has been since 2012? What's that? There's more of it. Yeah, exactly. We never would have gotten more Star Wars before, or I, you know, I think it's at least a safe bet to assume we would have gotten Star Wars for a very long time until maybe George died and, you know, whatever. And Uh, well, we were never going to get until the rights moved and the rights surprisingly moved before he died. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I just want to say that, Sometimes I may feel a little down internally because those are my honest feelings, my honest reactions uh, to some things. But I think it's just because I want to enjoy it so much. So when I have this natural reaction sometimes that I don't enjoy something, I have to remember that the lens that I've watched these other six films through has been my entire life. The meaning I take out of episode two now is different than the meaning I took out of it at 11 years old when I saw it for the first time. 
And there's a lot of other stories that have been told after that that give context and information. Like how much like when you watch like Attack of the Clones, when you're watching Dooku, you're thinking of Dooku Jedi Lost now and going, oh, I know where that guy came from now. And it's yeah. it's different, right? Yeah. And I think Rise of Skywalker, um, just like Last Jedi after it and Force Awakens after it, like when you inject so much new into Star Wars, it takes a long time to process. And we need some people to tell the supplemental stories yeah. that make it settle in our brains in the way that we love or or that we feel the way we do about it. Like I love Boba Fett in, in as shown, he's a punk who throws, gets thrown in a, a giant, you know, <laughs> yes. Snake, you know, worm. But I grew up reading tales of the bounty hunter and he's always, even in those mm-hmm. scenes, a very different character to me mm-hmm. than he is in that movie. And I think we're going to see stuff like, um, you know, Allegiant general pride seems like he just kind of comes out of nowhere. Well, he won't because soon he'll be, you know, written about like what he was doing through the first two movies and what was he doing at Starkiller, not at Starkiller Base. And like all all that story from this that right now is all in motion and we're weirded out by it. A lot of that's going to get more concrete or we're going to find that the answers we're looking for aren't the answers we need. Right. And I think that I think we found a lot about ourselves in the last month doing very topical stuff like making these specials before and after that our first special that's in relationship to something happening this ep- this show that like one of the reasons we built the show was not to be on the news of the day of Star Wars because it's rough out there because it's everyone speculating about what might happen what will happen what could have happened and it's tough because we you get into your own opinion and it's hard not to be anything but what I like. So I understand that people in 99 didn't like episode one because it's not, they want, it's not what they came to Star Wars for. But now that we're, you know, 20 years out from that, most people don't have the burning hate for episode one they used to because it's mellowed and it is what it is. And you like parts and you don't like parts or you forgot about it or you watch it every year, whatever. It, it's okay because yeah. there's some new piece of Star Wars always being built mm-hmm. that you, you can join into, right? And it, we're at a time right now where... It's never been better. So if you're sitting there listening to us and you say that, oh, man, I didn't like The Rise of Skywalker as much as I would have liked, it's okay because more things are coming. And yeah, yeah, I understand that you might feel hurt or disappointed and you might be on the other end of this. You might be elated. You might be ecstatic that this movie was everything you ever hoped it could be. And that's great, too. There's no right or wrong way to interpret art. Which is what this is. And there's no point in trying to fight people into believing what you believe. Because at the end of the day, your beliefs are in motion as well. And I think about, like, this has been the way Star Wars always was. I I moan every once in a while. I snipe at the Yuzen Vong. It was a huge part of Star Wars at a time when I was growing up. I never liked it. But you know what? I just didn't read the books and it was okay. It didn't change anything about what I did like about Star Wars. And that's okay and and the thing about with star wars is as we get more of it there's more to love and there's more that you're gonna say that's not the part of star wars i come to and that's okay too like you're it is okay it becomes wider and lets more people in but the more people we let in the less everyone's gonna be i love everything about star wars yeah because okay that's it may be scary it may be scary but it is okay remember we're not gonna fight what we hate We're going to save and celebrate what we love. And that's what Star Wars All In is here for. Absolutely. 
And with that, next week, we're going to go back out of the controversy land into just some more basic fun topics about the (laughs) land of Star Wars, stuff that maybe is a little less speculatory. But again, if you loved our speculations, please let us know because we get nervous about them. So if you uh, if you love this stuff, let us know. Maybe we could throw some together, some more specials and stuff. But to keep things positive, to keep everybody, you know, Star Wars for everybody, we get back to some just fun kicking around exploring the people places and things of the star wars universe right here and until then i'm mac and i'm ross and until next wednesday may the force be with you this production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of mac purvis iii ross greco and those involved in its production it is meant for entertainment purposes only other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.